Chapter 14 of A Girl of High Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Girl of High Adventure by L.T. Mead. Chapter 14 Starlight and Tilly. Tilly felt very proud of herself when she put on Margot's smart little dark blue habit and although the crimson cap certainly did not look as well on her nondescript sort of hair as it had done on Margot's, she imagined that it did, which comes after all to the same thing. Malachi was in the best of spirits. His face was all twinkles and light and laughter. His sisters accompanied him as he brought Starlight and Brian the Brave round to the mounting block. "'You are kind, you are kind,' said Tilly, trying to show some of her gratitude in her face. "'Ah, to be sure, why wouldn't I?' said Malachi. "'Here, spring up, Missy. You must be quick, for he's a thoroughbred, remember? He's not like the old mare. But when we get him right under way and you show no fear, which of course you haven't got, we'll have a fine spin together on the king's high road.' Matilda felt altogether uplifted, as she expressed it. The awful pins had been in some mysterious way removed. Who had done it? One of the grooms, she supposed, and yet there was malicious laughter in Malachi's bright, dark eyes. "'Now then, no time to lose,' he said. "'Stand back, girls, both of you. You'll have your rides this afternoon. But it is fair enough that Missy should have her turn on this, her last day, and she's so brave, my word, so wonderful brave. Now then,' Put your foot on my hand, stand on this block, and spring. Tilly, very much excited because of the new habit, highly pleased at having got the victory, feeling quite sure that she could outdo Margot in the art of riding, sprang into her saddle in her somewhat awkward fashion. Starlight looked askance with almost a wicked look in his eye at the creature on his back. Notwithstanding the habit and the red cap, she was not Margot. She did not know how to sit on him comfortably. He began to feel a sense of annoyance and a great desire to get rid of her, but Malachi whistled to him softly, somewhat as a thrush whistles to her young. Ah, well, he understood that note. He settled down to endure and do his best. He thought, in his dear horsey mind, how very easily he could pitch the thing that he didn't like off his back and get rid of her forever when they reached the wide ditch. He did not object to trying the wide ditch this morning anything to get rid of the thing on his back. Tilly, for a moment, felt inclined to scream. "'Don't let out any noise, for the Lord's sake,' said Malachi. "'You'll set him off if you do, and when he does go, it is like a lightning flash, I can tell you. You say you are brave, prove it.' "'Ah, that's better. Hold yourself erect. But for the Lord's sake, don't keep the reins so tight. You don't want to strangle the creature. Sit easy, for heaven's sake.' just as though you were part of Starlight and he was part of you. That's the way to ride. That's the way Pushkeen rode yesterday. They had passed the tumble-down gate by this time, and Tilly had partly recovered her courage. I can ride better than La Comtesse, she said. I have had far more experience. Have ye now? Ye weren't born a Desmond by any chance? No, I'm a Reigns. The Reignses are... You needn't tell me, said Malachi. They are the finest family in the whole of England. They can skim the air on a horse's back like a bit of a bird. Once you put them on, you can't get them off. Those are the reins for you. 
I know the breed, otherwise I wouldn't have mounted you on Pushkin's thoroughbred. Why do you call her Pushkin? It is a very ugly name. She's nothing whatever but a little French shop girl. I told you so my own self, Malachi. Did ye now? Well, ye see I wasn't listening. I never listen to untruths. But this isn't an untruth. Oh, my Malachi, I'm, I'm frightened. Whatever ye frightened about, Miss Reigns of England, maybe as you are so uncommon brave, we might try a bit of cross-country riding. Why, there you are again, jumping like anything. Whatever has come to ye, it seems to me you are sort of cuckoo in the nest of the Reigns's. I'm not. Indeed, I'm not. But he does jump so. See, look for yourself. Oh, please, Malachi, hold him. He doesn't like me. He's got a wicked sort of spirit in him. Maybe his saddle isn't easy, said Malachi. You sit still, and I'll settle it. For the Lord's sake, don't let him think you are afraid of him, or you are done. Done, black and blue. Malachi slipped off Brian the Brave, and without in the least disturbing Tilly, managed to push the pin a little farther out, so that it might work a surer and a graver mischief. Now we are all right, he said, jumping up on his gallant steed. Go it, Starlight, old boy. Why, it's one of the reinses you have got on your back. Think of that, Starlight, old chap. Starlight certainly did think of it, and thought of it with growing passion and indignation. The pin had now thoroughly worked its way through his satiny hide, and he was altogether beside himself with rage. Just then, an old-fashioned lumbering motor car came by. This was a finish to Starlight. He reared upright, bolt upright in the air, shook Tilly off him as though she was a fly, left her sitting on the road, and immediately relieved from his burden, began to munch some delicious green grass from the roadside. "'I'm killed, Malachi! I'm killed!' sobbed Tilly. "'Well, to be sure, are you now?' said Malachi. "'I'm thinking, perhaps, twas a pin.' I don't think you are killed, but you might have been, if I hadn't let you down soft. I took all the pins out, I thought. What pins? said Tilly, turning very white. What pins? Oh, but ye are a nasty little beggar. Didn't I watch you when ye were sticking them all over the inside of the saddle yesterday? Ye didn't guess I was having a snooze in the loose box. I often sleep there when I'm partial to the beasts. Well, to be sure, I put the pins in a packet. Here they are. You can look at them. How many do you reckon you put in? I don't remember. Oh, none. Don't scold me, Malachi. Don't scold ye, ye little liar. Malachi, I tell you, I am dying. I am going to faint. I know I am. Well, faint away, Colleen. It doesn't matter to me. This remarkable announcement on the part of Malachi had also a remarkable effect in restoring Tilly's nerves. It was no use to faint if nobody cared. How dreadful Tilly felt, how sore and bruised and broken. Malachi led the two horses to the nearest tree and fastened them there with a piece of rope, which he always kept handy in his pocket. He then proceeded to unfasten Starlight's saddle and to remove the obnoxious pin. It was a black pin, deep and strong, and it had already made a decided mark on the satin coat of the lovely horse. Now, how came this here, to be sure? said he, going over to Tilly. I must have missed this, to be sure I did. And here are the others. We will put them all together. Ten pins. Upon my word, it's a goodly number. I want you to make a present of them, Tilly. A present? answered the girl, raising her white and terrified face. 
"'Yes, to be sure, a present to the Desmond. "'And you are to tell him why you put them in, "'and you are to do it at dinner today "'with the Pushkin looking at you. "'You are not hurt a bit. "'No, not a bit. "'You are shook up, whereas you deserve to die, "'and you may be thankful you are let off so easy. "'I'm thinking that after you have told "'the true story of the pins, "'the story of the shop will go in one ear "'and out of the other, "'so far as the Desmond is concerned.' The Rainses may be fine riders. I'm not taking from their merits. Not I. But they are black, big liars, too. That I can swear by. Now then, get up. I'll mount ye in starlight. He'll go as easy as a lamb, now that that black horror isn't pricking him to death. We'll just get back in time for lunch. Oh, Malachi, I, I can't mount that horse again. He fairly terrifies me. And as to that story you want me to tell about the pins, do you think I'd disgrace myself before your father, and me so frightened of him? Very well, Tilly. You can keep silent, and I'll tell. But he's got to know. It isn't true. It isn't true, wailed Tilly. Whist, for the Lord's sake, don't let out any more black ones. Did ye ever see a cat asleep? Why, yes, Malachi, I suppose I have. Have you got a cat at your home? Yes, my stepmother has a cat. Well, you watch it the next time it dozes. Then you'll learn once and forever how a cat sleeps, with one eye half open, never more, never less. Well, that eye is on. We'll call it the alert, for mice or birds or any kind of prey. I was lying like the cat, with my one eye open, when I saw you come along. Soon, from being half opened, it was whole opened, and the other eye was open too, and I saw ye sticking in the pins. So you can't get out of it till he reigns from England. Very badly ye did your job, very badly, entirely, but when ye left the stables, I crept out, all choking with laughter, and I thought I'd punish ye after all. I took out nine of the pins altogether, for one properly managed could do the job better than your ten anyhow. Then I palavered ye a bit and got ye to ride on starlight. I meant it as a punishment, and the punishment will end when ye have confessed the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, to the Desmond, and made him a present of the ten pins. You thought you'd kill his push king because you were mad with jealousy. Well, now, you have just got to do what I say, and no bones about it whatsomever. Oh, Malachi, oh, Malachi, I can't. But I say ye can. I'll keep the pins till the minute arrives, and as ye won't mount Starlight, I must walk the two horses home. We are a good bit out, and we'd best start at once. You keep in front of me, for I'm not going to lose sight of ye. Not for a moment. Now then, till reigns of England... March is the word. It was a very miserable, draggled little girl, with a white face considerably scratched from her fall, who arrived at Desmond's town just as the stable clock struck one. Malachi gave the horses over to his own special groom and followed Tilly to her bedroom. I'll be standing outside the door waiting for you, he said. Go in and take off the habit and wash that scratch off your face, for it ain't pretty to say the least of it. "'Oh, but please, I don't want any lunch,' said Tilly. "'You'll come down and take your place at the table. "'It don't matter in the least whether ye eat or not.' "'Tilly felt herself sore and beaten and bruised. 
she had met her master in Malachi and could not get rid of him. In the end, she put on a neat white frock and went downstairs and took her place at the long table. There was a huge sirloin of beef and new potatoes and peas and quantities of raspberries and cream on the sideboard. Altogether, it was a refreshing and tempting repast, and not one she was likely to get in her own poor home. Malachi deliberately seated himself beside her. He pretended to be very attentive to her. Margot was openly affectionate and asked eagerly how she had enjoyed her ride. "'Oh, to be sure, she is a wonder, no less,' said Malachi. "'But don't bother her with talking too much till she has got a little food inside her. I didn't know she was one of those celebrated reinses. Why, they can ride a bear, a bull, a cow, anything. She let it all out to me today when she was scampering so gaily on starlight.' "'I never heard of any reins who could ride,' said the Desmond. "'You've got an ugly scratch on your cheek,' said Nora. "'How did ye come by that, Till?' "'Didn't I say let her eat her meal in quiet?' said Malachi. "'A girl, even though she is a reins, can't take it out of a thoroughbred when he's as fresh as Starlight was this morning. Now eat, Till, eat.' He piled her plate with provisions, and the Desmond did not trouble himself to look at her again. "'You're a good, a very good little girl,' said Malachi. "'You're a true reins, that is what you are. "'Now, swallow these peas and get ready for the raspberries and cream.' Margot looked on in a puzzled way. She felt sure that there was something behind the scenes which she would know about later on. Malachi never put on that kind of look for nothing. At last the meal came to an end, and just at its close Mr. Flanagan appeared on the scene. "'Who's for puss in the corner?' he said, glancing from one young old aunt to another. "'We'll have a rare game. It's a fine afternoon,' said Bride. "'Help yourself to some more raspberries, Flanagan,' said Malachi. "'And there's the cream jug by you. Pour it on plentiful, for there's a bit of a lark coming on, man. Till and me, we know all about it, don't we, Till?' Matilda had in reality hardly touched her dinner. She felt her head in a whirl and her limbs aching. The strangely fierce appearance of the Desmond at the head of the board terrified her beyond speaking. "'Now we'll soon get it over,' said Malachi. "'Here you are, Till, shaking a bit. Well, I'll take your little hand. Come along, you know old Malachi well enough by this time.' "'I can't. I won't. I can't,' sobbed Tilly." "'For the Lord's sake, don't have that girl howling in my presence,' said the Desmond. "'She's not howling, really, father. She's only bringing you a little present. She's taken a mighty fancy to you, dad, and she wants to give you this little parcel with her humble respects.' "'I don't mind taking presents if they are properly earned and suitable,' said the Desmond. "'What's the matter with ye, Colleen? I'm not a bear or a lion.' "'To be sure, no, Dad. Ye are the finest man in Carrie.' By this time, Malachi and Tilly were standing by the Desmond's chair. Tilly thrust the little packet of pins into the old man's hands and then tried to escape. But she was surrounded on all sides, and finally it was Mr. Flanagan who brought her back to stand by the Desmond's side and watch his face as he opened the paper which contained the strange gift. "'Pins!' he exclaimed. "'By the mighty archangel's pins! "'What do I want with them, Colleen?' "'Tell the story,' said Malachi, who was watching her. "'I won't. I can't. I can't,' 
sobbed Tilly. Then I will, said Malachi. I have given you every chance, and I can't do more. But the Desmond shall know, and you shall stand by and look at him as he hears those black, wicked lies of yours, no less. Whereupon Malachi proceeded to enlighten his old father with regard to the pins which Tilly had inserted in the thick, deep lining of Starlight's saddle. He told his story with great verve and passion, and made far more of it than Tilly herself would have done. He did not conceal the motive for a moment. He did not attempt to shield the naughty and unhappy girl. Towards the end of the narrative, the Desmond stood up. It was very awful when the Desmond stood up. He looked so much bigger than anyone else and so much fiercer. His black eyes seemed to eat through Tilly. The fire in them seemed to burn into her. You go, he said. Not tomorrow, but today. This clergyman, Mr. Flanagan, will see you into the train. I'll give him sufficient money to get you out of the house. You are a bad, wicked, deceitful girl. You wanted to kill my heart's treasure. Now leave the room and let me never see your face again. As to these pins, they bring a curse on you. Otherwise, they are harmless. You go. Flanagan, will you see her off and put her into the train? Nay, it would be safer to put her on board the ship. I didn't think there was such wickedness anywhere in the world, but I'm learning in my old age. Yes, God help me, I'm learning in my old age. Pack your own things and go. Tilly turned and went like a half-drowned kitten out of the room. She was met, however, in the passage by Margot. Margot's beautiful black eyes were brimful of tears. Oh, Tilly, Tilly, she exclaimed. Did you really want to kill me? I, I, I think I did, said Tilly. I hated you, Margot, and I hate you now. Anyhow, I'm going to help you to pack, poor Tilly. It's an awful thing to hate. And why should you hate one who never hated you? Don't you hate me after this? said Tilly, in bewilderment. Oh, no. Indeed, no. I love you because you are so miserable. Suddenly Tilly found quite a different order of tears filling her eyes. Margot swept her dear little round arms about her and took her quickly upstairs and packed for her because she was incapable of packing for herself. Phineas Maloney's funny old cart was summoned, and Tilly and her belongings were packed into it. But the last thing she remembered of Desmond's town was the sweet face of little Margot, who kissed her hand to her, and whose eyes were brimful of tears as she watched her drive away. End of chapter 14